Welcome to episode number 11 of Beyond Jiu-Jitsu, the podcast. Above and beyond, bitches. Above and beyond. I don't know why I said that. Because we were great. (laughs) (laughs) One too many coffees, although right before we started, we were just like, oh, could go for another coffee. Yeah, definitely. Definitely Um, three coffees in a row and then we'll be- (laughs) Imagine, bro, we have so many coffees that people are listening to the podcast and they're like, I don't recall putting this on double speed. (laughs) And it's not. It's on half speed. (laughs) So welcome back to the podcast. Today we have an episode all about cross-training, functional training, a bit of mobility as well. Uh, we're basically going to cover the basis on what we do as individuals for training to support jiu-jitsu. And uh, yeah. So yeah, cross-training cross in general, right? Like yeah. uh, from a scientific point of view, Kieran would have more uh, more knowledge than myself about this industry. Kieran has, mm. you know, worked as a personal trainer, ex-competitive bodybuilder, you know, so he in the scientific approach to, to training, far more knowledgeable than I. I guess for me, I can just talk from my experiences, what I've done over the years to prepare for competitions or even just to um, re- come back from injuries or to just maintain and train as well as what I've seen all my training partners, uh, previous, current and future world champions, um, the way they've prepared for, mm. for competitions. Which so that, I, that speaks volumes, right? I mean, just what, because the of, proof is in the pudding. Yeah, right? the proof is in the pudding. But just because it works for one individual doesn't mean it works, you know, across the board for everyone. But at the same time, you know, you would be arrogant to to dismiss the, the um, you know, the process that these world champions go through or, or what they implement because it's been so successful. Yeah, for sure. Now, this this leads me on to something that I wanted to bring up at the start. And, uh, I mean, it's fortuitous that we, you mentioned world champions because from from an outside perspective looking in, when you look at the the top dogs in the, the no-gi world at the moment, like the, the big names, not a lot of them are, you know, doing very specific training to support their jiu-jitsu. A lot of it is bodybuilding style. Take Gordon Ryan, for example. Yeah, your favorite um, competitor, your favorite athlete in jiu-jitsu. <laughs> when- well, look, hang on, hang on. Uh, <laughs> I, from a purely jiu-jitsu perspective, mm. I mean, you, how can you hate Gordon Ryan? Yeah, he's incredible. It's just he's not my favorite online presence person. Yeah, that that's fair. Yeah. So with a lot of his training that he does off the mats, it is bodybuilding style like he's he's there like you know literally curling dumbbells he's doing bench press um yeah not a lot of leg work which he's openly said because he doesn't want big legs because it you know, interrupts his ability to to do triangles and, and other leg work I, you know that's neither here nor there um but you know he's he's doing a lot of stuff that he just enjoys yeah. But that's also going to, you know, support his muscle development and get him strong. But there's nothing like you don't see him following a very rigid, um, you know, program from a strength and conditioning coach from what I'm aware of. Same with Craig Jones. He doesn't do anything. He barely works out at all uh, in, off the mats. Like the, the man's a machine. He spends like four hours a day on the mats. But yeah. he's not doing much mobility training. He doesn't even warm up, he says. Yeah. Um, but Basically, the point I wanted to make from the from the jump is from an outside perspective, looking at jiu-jitsu, looking at the elite, there's not a lot of 
structured training going on. There's not a lot of, um, you know, professional oversight on these pro athletes. Do you think, do you think it's because jujitsu doesn't need it? Or do you think that because the sport is still very young in the, the pro scene that it just hasn't reached that level yet? Yeah, I think, um, Athletes not in jiu-jitsu, athletes not doing any sort of strength and conditioning or mobility or, or what have you has existed for a long time. Marcelo Garcia famously never did anything. Although I have had training partners of his say he did, but apparently in all interviews, Marcelo would say, no, no, I get all my strength and conditioning just from training and rolling, you know? Um, so it's not a new thing. Is it due to the sport being young and people not taking the scientific approach to training? Because they do in other sports, right? Like any, yeah, even golfing. Even, even golf, right? Yeah. Mm. Or, or even sports that you perhaps don't think of them as being physically active, for lack of a better word, like Formula One drivers, um, incredibly taxing, right? They do super specific strength work that is specific – to what their body needs to do during a race, right? Uh, for example, they do a huge amount of neck work because of the amount of G-forces they pull, right? Um, so they're taking a really scientific approach. In jiu-jitsu, people don't necessarily do that. Uh, you and I obviously have two, two friends and training partners in uh, Joey and JT who run Bulletproof for BJJ they take a much more scientific approach, right, to strength and mobility specifically for jiu-jitsu. So that's like a new approach, if you will, coming on the scene. But I think the reason people don't feel the need to take a scientific approach is due to how dynamic jiu-jitsu is in itself, right? So because when you're training – you're doing so much by default, just by rolling, you're doing so much like strength and mobility and flexibility work during a roll that you then kind of, the trickle down effect of not feeling strong or mobile, you don't necessarily feel it as much. Not only that, you can cater your style in jujitsu to fit what works for you. So for example, if you were an F1 driver and you had a weak neck, weak neck muscles, so you got a sore neck from pulling G's, right? It's not like you can just change the, your driving style so it's less, you know, uh, intense on your neck and less G-force intense. No, you can't, right? You have no option but to get a stronger neck. You have to. But in jiu-jitsu, if you have bad, you know, shoulder mobility, you can change the way you roll to not require as much shoulder mobility. Just don't get kimoraed. Yeah, just don't get kimoraed, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so because mm. you can, jiu-jitsu is so dynamic, not only do you do by default a lot of strength and mobility and conditioning just by rolling and training, but you are also able to avoid areas where you are not so strong and mobile. Don't, is, don't you agree? Yeah, oh, I totally agree. And it's a gift and a curse. Like I'll, I'll give you a perfect totally. – sorry to interrupt. I'll give you a perfect example. For those who haven't met me personally, I'm, I'm quite tall. I'm 6'4", so I'm 
just you know 194 centimeters tall, uh, quite long legs, but I'm not particularly flexible. Uh, and I can get away with not being that flexible because I have such big reach with my, you know, I've got long arms, long legs. So, you know, I can get away, like I can get away with fitting my, you know, hooks and my arms and reaching them in certain places without requiring a certain amount of flexibility that, that shorter people may need. You know, I don't need as much, you know, uh, external and internal hip and knee rotation to close triangles and things like that. So I don't need to be as flexible. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. And I think to the point of like, you can shape your game to fit your restrictions in, in um, mobility or even strength. Cause there's something that can be said for that as well in style of passing even. Um, but I, you don't, yeah. But don't, don't you agree? You don't really, have that luxury in other sports yes i mean most other sports are a lot more linear in terms of you need your body to be able to execute x Mm. to be able to get you know uh preferred outcome outcome y Y, you know the result that you want but back to your point because jiu-jitsu is so dynamic and because it's so technically based that you can shape your your approach and your technique around your restrictions but i think that the the curse side of that is your restrictions will then exacerbate for example in uh jiu-jitsu if you you know uh, are playing guard or something like that and your shoulders are hunched forward you're going to create some deficiencies in your posterior chain like your your back muscles, yeah, and that will you know if you particularly if you're training quite often, that's going to translate into other areas of life. That's going to eventually affect your jujitsu in the long run. And um, again, just to to um, mention something that the boys at Bulletproof talk about a lot is that injury prevention piece. So if you focus on your mobility and your strength from not necessarily a scientific point of view, but just a practical point of view. If you strengthen your weakened areas, weakened being from weakened from jujitsu, then you will be more robust in my opinion. Yeah. But you can get away with it. Yeah. People do for a long time. Yeah. I mean, and that's a good point because the more you train, yeah, the more magnified the weaknesses oh, yeah. are going to be. <clears throat> Some of the... Some of the big ones are, you know, if you spend a lot of time playing guard and you do no type of um, counter movements or strengthening or whatnot, you're going to get – your hip flexors are going to get mega jacked. Yeah. You know, I um, I recently-ish had a flare-up with one side of the very top of, of, my, of my abs, which are like so far – so high up that – I, I thought I'd hurt a rib or the the cartilage in between my ribs turned out, out to be the very top of my abdominal muscle. And it's because it's the one side that I like to play half guard and the one side I like to do all my inverts on, you know? So that one's, you know, that one side getting hammered day in, day out, right? Without me doing anything to counteract that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, um, and you do... If you train enough, you do need to do that, right? It's yeah. kind of like in for lifting. If you just do back movements, you just do like all pulling movements, like pull-ups and things like that, like your chest will get super tight. Yeah. And one thing that um, was taught to me was let's say you're trying to progress 
your pull-ups to get to, I don't know, like, hypothetically, you're working towards wanting to do a muscle-up, for example, mm-hmm. and you need to be able to get chest to bar, you know, or, you know, so opposed to just doing a pull-up where you get your chin over the bar, you need to be able to essentially get like your chest to the bar or your nipples to the bar. You need to be able to do a high pull-up, right? Like in in with your progression as you work towards it. And sometimes what will stop you being able to do that is not actually that you're too weak in your back, it's that you're too tight in your chest to be able to pull your chest to the bar, right? right? And this actually came from, from JT, taught me this years ago when we trained together in Brazil. Um, so if you train enough, you definitely do have to do, right, the, you know, whether it's train your weak areas or like you need to counter train the the parts of your body that get overworked when you roll. Like I said, if you just play that half guard on the one side, you need something to balance that out. Yeah, yeah. And you already mentioned one of the the key culprits is the hip flexors. Hip flexors get so so tight. So you need to then spend some time in like a wall lunge or uh, it's sometimes referred to as a couch stretch, Google that if you want to see um, what I'm talking about, um, to then lengthen your hip flexors. And the same can be said with your chest, same can be said you know, with your with your rhomboids, um, your you know, upper back, shoulders, because they can get very jacked. So I think it's important to pay attention to mobility. And I think from... What Joey from Bulletproofs basically, he, his big mantra is if you want to be stronger at jiu-jitsu, you need to be more mobile because then you have more uh, freedom to, to be strong in different ranges of motion. So there's a difference between yeah. flexibility and mobility. Yeah, if massively. You're, if you're mobile, it means that you're strong in all ranges of, of motion and you have a larger range of motion to operate in, but you're strong there. Flexible just means that you you know your your joints are floppy basically, and you're able to to get there. It doesn't necessarily mean that you can exert force in those positions. So that's yeah. a really important. Well, and, well, some people don't even have the the range of motion mm. to go into like full mobility positions. Exactly. Like um, something I take for granted because I don't think of myself as being super mobile, but um, when I've done you know I've done uh a huge amount of bulletproof training with both um, JT and Joey. And in the beginning, like like any good coach, they do an evaluation, right, to, to see where you're at. They don't just hand you some, you know, copy-paste workout, right? They evaluate you so it's, it's tailored to what you need. And so when I've done the evaluations, like uh, I am incredibly mobile. I don't feel mobile, but, for example, I can do – a full squat, right? Like a ass to grass squat, which I just thought was normal. But then like uh, I had next to me other people doing exams of mobility, man, and they can't even squat to 90 degrees before their heels start coming off the ground. They have no range of motion in their joints, you know? So it's something that I take for granted, I guess, um, being mobile Mm. because I am, but I never really thought of myself as as mobile. And um, I've always had Joey say, man, you're – you're incredibly mobile for such a big guy, you know, to be able to go through those ranges. But, yeah. you know, other positions, not so much. Terrible shoulders. It's a trick if you want to 
tap me, go for a Kimura. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that next I time. I will tap very fast. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in terms of like addressing your mobility, because I suppose this this what we're, tra- what we're talking about here can be b- broken down into three different categories for cross-training. That is, you have your, your strength, you have your mobility, and then cardio. So for, for mobility, you mentioned that you are pretty mobile, and I think that I'm, you know, middle of the road, fairly fairly mobile. What do you do for, for mobility? Do you do yeah. any cross-training for it? Do so, you do any additional um, stuff? Yeah, so talk a little bit about what, what I personally do. Um, I definitely don't take the most scientific approach what I personally do is not very similar to what Gordon Ryan does in the sense that I do what, what I enjoy. You know, I don't personally love doing any sort of strength training. I don't really enjoy it. So I do find it hard to take a more scientific approach because it's often doing a lot of movements that I don't enjoy. Because I am quite mobile I don't necessarily feel any one particular area that I need to spend a lot more time on so I don't really do anything for mobility the only things I work on are strength and cardio but again I don't do it from a scientific approach I'm really just looking to do whatever gives me more of a more comfort in how strong and how, how much gas I have. What I'm trying to say is if doing deadlifts makes me feel stronger, I do deadlifts. Because for me, I know my biggest weakness in terms of uh, com- competitive jiu-jitsu, or, or not even competitive as in competing, but just like training competitively, is whether I feel strong and confident, right? Uh Again, to, to reference JT, I keep referencing JT and Joey because they're, they're professionals in their field and I've spent years training with them. But um, JT would always say to me, he's like, man, when you feel strong and when you feel like you've got good gas, like when you've, when you've pushed through that, that mental barrier of, of doubt or, if, you know, for lack of a better word, He's like, man, you're an animal. Like that's that's what where we need to get you. So a lot of, for me, if I'm preparing for a competition, I do whatever I need to do to get that um, psychological feeling, right? I'm not, I don't have any glaring deficiencies, although I'm sure I do if, you know, from a professional point of view, from a scientific point of view. But for me, it's just about, man, what I need to feel stronger. So, for me, that's deadlifts, that's uh, renegade rows, pull-ups, squats. Uh, if we're talking about cardio, it's doing like hit training or like really punishing lactic acid building circuits, you know, like, and is it maybe the most scientific approach? No, but for me to then go onto the mats and have my competition game where I, you know, ideally stay in the positions that I like and I'm the most comfortable and whatever – if I've been doing that in preparation, I mentally feel so good and that that mental preparation translates to me not getting gassed or that translates to me like feeling super strong and being strong because I'm not going to say it's all mind over matter, but for sure a lot of competitive sports is mentality, right? So if I can feel strong psychologically, that for me works, you know? 
yeah, I could do follow specific workouts and sometimes I do, but, but a lot of the time it's just whatever I need to do to, to feel mentally strong and fit. Yeah, that makes sense. But I, I would also like to say that the best exercise program or the best strength and conditioning program out there is one that you will actually do. So yeah, right. That's it. I mean, yeah, you, you're just saying as in it's better to do something than nothing. Is no, that I'm the saying point? like, say for example, if you did get the absolute premier, like to the T specific program tailored to you as an individual for strength and conditioning, strength and mobility and cardio for jujitsu specifically, but it was full of stuff that you don't enjoy doing. Yeah. I'm not going to do it. You're either not going to do it or when you do, I'm go not, to do it, yeah, you're going to half-ass half, it. Exactly. You're going to yeah. be like 50% effort. Yeah. However, if you focus in on doing the things that you really enjoy, maybe you throw in a couple of things that you don't mind, but you know, maybe you know you need to do that might not be your your favorite thing in the world, like circuits, for example, um, or, or insert thing here, then if you're tackling that program that you wrote yourself or wrote – um, or had written for you with the intention of being something that you actually enjoy, then you probably go, you know, 80, 80, 90, 100% effort. Yeah. And that there and is then you're going to get more out of that. Way more out of it. Yeah. Way more. It's the same, like you can draw a parallel for nutrition, right? The, you know, a nutrition plan is, is only as good as your adherence to the plan, right? Yeah. So it's, it's the exact same concept. I'm not going to write someone a nutrition program full of food they don't want to eat because they're not going to fucking eat it. Yeah. Like if, if you make it enjoyable, you're actually going to follow it. Um, and that's something that I've come in and out of so many times over yeah. the years. I think the – yeah, because I personally don't enjoy strength training much at all, the only time I really take a more of a scientific approach and follow something – really strict is if it's uh coming back from an injury where i'm then under the guidance of um of a physio with my strength coach and then i'm a bit more scientific about my approach because oh dude you just tore your acl so you need to you know but if all's well and healthy exactly like you said you know if a lot of the time i'm kind of like well i'm either going to do this one that is maybe scientifically not the best strength movement to do or I'm going to do nothing, you know. Yeah. As long as you're not doing something incorrectly and going to injure yourself, you know, um, like, uh, you know, doing deadlifts really poorly and throwing your back out or something. Yeah. Yeah, better to do something than nothing. Like yeah. even, you know, I know that running, they say that the only thing that running makes you better at is running, Yeah. right? <laughs> but, you know, like in, as long as you're not going to, hurt yourself somehow i mean if the option is go for a run or do nothing and sit on the couch right what's i mean how is going for the run not going to help yeah exactly exactly now just to talk to that running piece a little bit um and get a little bit more into into cross training right so i know that we we said that we were we're going to take a more general overview and not delve too deep into the science, but there is something known as specific adaptation to impose demands, which is referred to as the said principle. And a lot of PTs will recite this or strength and conditioning coaches, I should say, will talk about this when they talk about doing cross training for a sport. And like you said, running, the only, only thing that running will make you good at is running. And the reason for that is this said principle, the specific adaptation 
to impose demands. The imposed demand is the running and the specific adaptation is making you better at running. So if you wanted to do cardio to get better at uh, jiu-jitsu, realistically to get better at like jiu-jitsu cardio, you're better off doing more jiu-jitsu. However, there is something to be said about cross training and how it will improve you. Now there's a research uh, study that was done quite a few years ago where they basically took uh, professional athletes from, uh, they had a control group, they had a marathon runner group or a long distance runner group. And then they had a um, strength group for powerlifters, right? So they took a group of powerlifters. But they of, weren't runners. You don't mean like sprinters? No, no, no. no. So I mean, uh, there, there were powerlifters like- yep conventional, you know, big three squat, deadlift, uh, bench press, powerlifters. They took uh, runners and they took control group, right? Yeah. Uh, well, out of, out of those two groups, they created control group. I'm kind of butchering this, but basically what they did is they wanted to see whether strength would help the marathon runners. Strength training would help the marathon runners run better and whether cardio would help the strength athletes. Mm-hmm. What it turns out is the strength training really did help the marathon runners. So they were still doing their, their marathon running um, and they they added sh- a strength component to their training and it improved their performance something around like 20%. So right. it vastly improved their performance. However, for the strength athletes, the cardio training decreased their performance. Yeah, right. So it did not help their performance at all. And then they had a group where they basically gave them a mix of both, where they gave a untrained group um, cardio and strength. They got a, a bit better at strength and a bit better at cardio. Not quite as good at cardio as the people that just did cardio and not quite as good as the people that just did strength. So it's, it's quite an interesting um, study basically talking about how cross-training works. And if you want to be a jack of all trades, doing a little bit of everything will make you a jack of all trades. However, if you want to be a master marathon runner doing a bit of strength training will make you a better runner but if you want to lift heavy shit don't do any cardio (laughs) (laughs) but i think i mean that really just reiterates kind of what we've been saying all along which i guess is the underlying importance of of doing what works for you yeah because it's it is again i keep saying the word dynamic but jiu-jitsu is just so dynamic that Mm. You know, like you've got one of the best guys in the world, Gordon Ryan, actively avoiding doing leg stuff because, um, you know, because it so he in, says, so he says, right? Because <laughs> it interferes with his jujitsu. And yeah, you might have strength coaches around the world saying, "What a what a effing moron!" Like blah 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 blah. But how can you argue with him when he's the the undisputed best yeah. no gi grappler in the world. Like he's if he's telling you I'm not doing it because it interferes with my jujitsu, and then they're saying strength coaches are saying you're an idiot, and he's like, uh, "Have you seen me losing? No, yeah. right? Like I'm. That's like, where it becomes difficult, right? Because, and and that's where it's kind of like what works for him may not work for everyone, or, or it just gets a bit tricky. Like the honestly the PT the PT side and the strength strength coach in me says like he is a bit of an idiot for that. And it, it seems like a funny excuse to respond to the the trolls that tell him that his legs are skinny. Well, maybe he is, right? Maybe he's just having a troll response, you know? Yeah. But the best – I think some of the best strength training I like to see done in jiu-jitsu are things that, that specifically replicate your jiu-jitsu. So what I mean by that is um, – 
back when Bernardo was competing, uh, if you don't know, Bernardo Fadi is super famous for over-under passes. He would do a lot of a, a lot of resistance band training that a lot of jiu-jitsu guys do, but he would do it like super specific for his style. So he would have a resistance band tied around him and he would have like a boxing bag essentially on the ground or a grappling dummy and he would drive in for the over-under pass like uh, with the resistance band pulling him back. Oh, wow. Because if you if you... If you've ever been lucky enough to to learn from Bernardo or have to go to one of his seminars or even watch one of his instructionals, one of the most important points he talks about with his over underpass is that it's a it can be a slow grinding pressure pass, except for the initial entry. The initial entry where you like get over under and connect your shoulder into the into like about around the belly button of your opponent that needs to be done super quick because at that moment is when they can like you know push your head to the wrong side or whatever so that initial entry needs to be almost like you're shooting a double leg right so he's working against a resistance band you know like i saw kennedy like cobrinha's um son who just fought at the the emerald city the other weekend lost to gianni grippo in the final in overtime um he does a lot of um a lot of resistance work with the bands and stuff that replicates the movements that he does in his jujitsu. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I know and, what you and mean. for me, that that works really well. Like, I mean, let's say for example, if I did a whole bunch of stuff that was really specific to improve my bearing bolo, is that gonna make me a better I mean, yeah, it's gonna have some trickle-down effects, but have I ever done a bearing bolo in competition? No. Like I it's not my competition game, right? It's, you know, I don't do over-unders in competition. So is doing Bernardo's workout going to help me? Yeah, there'll be trickle-down effects, but it's not going to directly translate, you know? So I think it's super important to exactly what you said. The best program is the one that you do, Yeah, you know? like, And if you can make the one you do one that is directly replicated into your style of jiu-jitsu, that's the way to go. Again, I'm saying this with the with the assumption that you don't have any, you know, overall problems with your with your body. Yeah, you know? yeah, like you're, you're not working on a deficiency yeah, because obviously yeah. you'll need to address that. Of course, um, make you, sure that you're mobile because we're both we said at the outset we're both quite mobile. So if that's a problem in your game, probably or like in your body rather, probably address that yeah. first. But if you're all around pretty like fit and mobile, yeah, man, do what. You know, if you're someone like me who d- doesn't really enjoy it that much, doing whichever one is going to psychologically make you stronger and fitter and is implementable to your game, do that. If you're someone who, you know, I know yourself, Kieran, are, you know, much happier to do strength work and stuff, being an ex-competitive bodybuilder and, you know, you're perhaps more willing to just go, oh, science says this is the best one. That'll Okay, I'll do that one. Yeah. And, if, and if that's your approach as well, that's fine. Um but I will tell you a, uh, probably one of my favorite workout regimes I ever followed, which was, um, which was also the hardest workouts I think I've ever done in my life. And it was while I was living in Brazil, there was a group of us. There was um, myself, Fabio, Lange, um, Henachinho, another uh, black belt from Fabio and, and a couple of other people. 
uh, Hikado, another friend of mine from over there. We used to go to this training once a week and it was at an indoor trampoline center. And there was like, I don't know how many, five or six different Olympic sized trampolines. And they were all different grades as in how, um, how elastic or how bouncy they were. Okay. And the workout was an hour. And for me, I started this, this trampolining training because it was post knee surgery. It was my second knee surgery that I was coming back from. Um, but I continued to do it even after I would recovered from the surgery. And what we would do it, for pretty much the whole hour, you would do these different sequences on the trampoline. And I don't know how many people listening when the last time you were on a trampoline was, but if it was when you were a kid, remind yourself that you don't have the gas tank of a 10-year-old anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like kids go forever. Us adults do not, right? Bouncing on a trampoline is really, really hard. But we weren't there to bounce. So what you would do is uh, everyone had a heart monitor on and the coach would give you your sequence, you know, because everyone did, was doing different workouts at the same time. And he would say something like, okay, Adam, you're going to do like 30 running on the spot. So you're running on the spot on a trampoline. So it's super dynamic, right? Yeah, it's hard pushing in all different directions, right? It's like, and then you'll do, you know, 50 side-to-side -side jumps. And I don't mean like a kid playing, going, wee, jumping up and down. I mean like you're jumping like laterally on both feet side-to-side -side, and you're trying not to change the elevation of your head, right? So you've got to imagine as the trampoline kicks you back, you're like having to tuck and jump like, you know, side-to-side -side, and then, you know, something like, you know, okay, then 10 jump and spin or whatever. And he's like, and then you're going to do five sets, right? Or something like that. And then you'd finish your sets. You'd give him your heart rate reading. Then he would give you a new set of exercises. Okay, you're going to do like sometimes, man, really dynamic stuff for stability and stuff as well. Like you would have to hop on the trampoline again without changing the elevation of your head or like you would have to hop and do a 360 and things like that, right? And it was so so punishing, not just for your legs, incredibly punishing for your legs, but man, cardio-wise was the most, like the hardest training I've ever done and translated to me being so super fit in the gym. Like, man, I could just, I could go forever. But I had this one day I was training and Felipe was the name of the instructor. Every day, every, every session, he would pick someone different to, to pick on, I guess. <laughs> and we had a, a bit of a routine, like, um, you know, at the end of once you had finished your workout, you, he would then give you this, um, I forget the name of the movement, but he would be like, okay, do this movement. And you knew that was the last thing you would do before you got off the trampoline, right? It was like your kind of cool down movement. And then typically you would get off the, the trampoline and you would do, he would make us do like 300 sit-ups or something and then we were finished. So um, I, was on the, I was the last person still on the trampoline and he had just given me this last sequence that I hit on my heart rate monitor, 200 beats per minute. Holy shit. Which if you don't know is very high, right? Like that's a rather high heart rate. So I was pushing super, super hard. So I'd hit 200 beats per minute. So I was wrecked. 
And then he's gone, okay, do whatever the name of the movement is. So I'm like, cool. So I, I'm in my head, I'm like, I'm done. I'm going to do this. It's the cool down movement, right? And so I'm doing my cool down movement. Everyone else, like Fabio, Langi and all that, they're, they're off to the side doing their sit-ups. So they're essentially finished. They've just got to finish their sit-ups. So I finish my cool down movement. I get off the trampoline and I look to Felipe and I just kind of go, oh, sit-ups? Like I ask him if I'm doing my sit-ups and he goes, no, nah, you're not done. And I was like, what, what the, the fuck? fuck? <laughs> so then he's got me over like it's got gymnastic mats everywhere, like those super thick mats that are like really hard to run on as well, right? Mm. And he's got me up on these mats and he's like, he's like, okay, this is what you're going to do. He's like on the spot on this mat that feels like you're sinking into quicksand. He's like, he's like running on the spot for, I think it was for like 20 or something. It's like running on the spot. Then over here is like box jumps, but I'm still on soft mats, right? So I'm box jumping from one soft mat up onto another soft mat, right? Wow. So like box jumps on steroids. He's like, then you're going to do 10 box jumps. Then you're going to come over here and like overhead, like pegging a medicine ball down to the ground. He's like, you're going to do like uh, 10 or 12 medicine ball throws. And then, and then he goes, and then after that, I'm going to hand you this balloon and you've got three breaths to pop it. What? He's like, you're going to do that four times. That's ridiculous. Dude, I'm not making this up, eh? And oh, like, man. Lange and Fabio and everyone were just watching like, what the fuck? Wow. And I, he hates you. Dude, it was the most. So remembering prior to this, I'd been on a trampoline for an hour yeah. and hit 200 beats per minute. Wow. I remember I popped the balloon the first time around and then after that I didn't and I finished it and collapsed and he's like no get up you got to stand up like oh, wow. dude and it was it was probably the most the most punishing workout I have ever you insulted ever his done. family didn't you you did, you did something <laughs> wrong to this man you wronged him in some way but even saying that it was you know we hated it because it was really hard we and we did it every Friday so it was like the end of the week as nice. well after like a whole week of comp training and everything. So, you know, we always kind of dreaded going to trampoline training. But, like, when it was done, like, it was in terms of a strength training, like, it was to some degree fun. You're bouncing on a trampoline, but it was just so hard. And But the results for me were tenfold, right? And and for other people too. Like, Langy did it in preparation for, like, one of the last world championships that he competed at. Um, I think he was doing the whole thing without an ACL as well. Holy crap. He had lost his ACL and had decided to compete and do the surgery after the Worlds. Um, yeah, the the people who did it, there was quite a good core of us. Like uh, no one else in the gym could hang with us like when it came to just like the intensity of how hard we could roll. I need to jump on a trampoline a bit more. Dude, if honestly, I would do it if there was um, – there's probably somewhere yeah. in Australia that does it. Like if there was somewhere nearby that had someone running that trampolining training, I would go back and do it once a week. Yeah, wow. That is very hard, but man, like uh, for me, like – Oh, I felt so good. So I, I felt like I was unstoppable, you know. Yeah, right. And that's a big, for me, that's a big part of of strength and conditioning and and cross training, right? The psychological like point. The, the psychological point. Yeah, you know? yeah. For for me, for me, my training uh, over the years has obviously been a lot of bodybuilder style training. I I really enjoy that. Like I've done it for so long and. Yeah, don't get me wrong. After doing it for six months straight every day, it would, it would get it does get a little bit stale. You need to change change up your your programming, 
Um, but yeah, that that's that classic like big lifts, like squat, the deadlift, the bench press, having the shoulder day. That shit just really resonates with me. Um, but at the moment, so that's yeah, that's it as well. Like if you enjoy that, yeah, right, and it's doing if 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 your option is doing a a bodybuilding workout or, or not no anything. workout. Yeah, you're gonna There's choose no the way the bodybuilding workout isn't going to still give you some benefits yeah, in your jujitsu. Absolutely. Right. But um at the moment I've I've been definitely doing a lot more, you know, the the dreaded word functional training. <laughs> um so more like kettlebell work. Um still focusing in on those those movements like but more compound movements like the uh overhead press the the squatting movements, the hip hinge movements, yeah. you know, deadlifting What's your stuff. what's your favorite lift slash strength movement? Oh man, my for fa- you to personally do my favorite personally uh, historically has been the bench press, but I haven't done it so long because it's just not the most functional. It's super bad for your shoulders, isn't it? It can be. It really can be. Particularly your front deltoids can be really bad for. It depends on how you bench press, um, but yeah, it can be pretty tough on your shoulders and. To be honest, there's not a whole lot of transfer over into jiu-jitsu for bench press. Yeah. There just isn't. I think like, again, I said at the start, I don't have a, the the degree to comment on this stuff scientifically, but, but um, you know, from what I've been taught or told to do from any of my strength um, coaches, there's been any sort of chest stuff, it's been a bit more, you know, like dumbbell press is yes, maybe more better. more applicable because yes. at least your each arm's working independently. Yep. It's slightly more um, dynamic, dynamic and yes. relatable to how pressing happens in jujitsu. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. I do and you can get of, better range of motion and a bit safer for your yes, shot. As you long can. as you don't you drop lower. the weight and hurt yourself. Because you got to think, you know? like when you're doing a bench, like a barbell bench press, you're limited by the bar contacting your chest. Yeah. Whereas if you're doing a dumbbell, you can go a bit lower. Yeah. And it's the same to be said if you're doing some form of body weight variation, like a, uh, a say you're doing a push up but you have like one hand up on a, a dumbbell or maybe yeah. a medicine ball or something like you're doing unilateral work um, which basically just means one side at a time then you can yeah it's a bit more dynamic and you have a bit of core stability in there blah 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 so yeah my favorite historically has been the bench press what's um, your I, most hated man probably like probably squats um but then again yeah. i go through periods where i love them like really really tough low bar heavy squats it's just it it fucking hurts it just burns <laughs> it just burns man yeah. it, like it, legs hurt it hurts in like another way like a different way like I, you can push yourself to failure and bench and just feel great about it but pushing yourself to failure on on like squats like properly man it just hits different hey so that's my most dreaded and because you told the story of like your toughest workout my toughest workout that i can remember that strength workout was with Zach, my my current business partner, years ago, back in like 2018. Um, I was, you know, competing in bodybuilding at the time. And we, we went through a leg day workout together and he decided to put in um, some squats in there, but it was like we did sets of 50. So we started at 50 and worked our way down to like 10. 
um, dropping like 10 each time. A lot of squats. It was a ridiculous amount of squats. And we're, we're squatting like 60 kilos. So it's it's light-ish, but not really. And <laughs> I'm then, sitting here like 60 kilos. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'd follow, I th- I'm pretty sure we then followed that up with some leg press, like the same sort of thing on leg press. Or we did something fucking dumb. It was his idea. It was so stupid. Like it, it had zero <laughs> benefit. Like it would have it would have hurt us more than benefited us. Um, but it, it is one that is burned into our memories, I think, for... Can, can I ask then, that's, you know, a, a good segue to talking about how I saw a lot of my training partners uh, prepare for, for competitions, which was sometimes just doing whatever was the toughest training. And it was something that, that, um, that JT would comment on all the time. This was like pre-Bulletproof days or, or Bulletproof before it had the name Bulletproof, yeah. if, if you will noticing that it wasn't like the the best approach oh, and whatever not, yeah. and and guys at the time a lot of what they were doing was essentially just going to a crossfit gym and just doing what was yeah. what was hard right yep. and and i get that like like i said a lot for me like whatever i can do that psychologically makes me feel strong and fit so so i resonate with that a little bit yeah but my my question is what it, what are your th- thoughts on that as someone who was in the navy i've never done any sort of work in any defense forces but i've seen um the odd you know documentary or docuseries or whatever whether it's not i don't think specifically the australian navy but whatever military and when recruits are going through a lot of training sometimes it's not even necessarily about the physical element it'll have a physical element but it's about the amount of stress that they're trying to to put into the recruit and they're trying to essentially trial by fire learning how to still be able to function under incredibly stressful situations like i saw one where like day one of training started at like two in the morning with uh with a bunch of assault rifles firing and you know like dummy grenades going off and just like (laughs) all the yeah like probably Probably american American. yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know and what was it like in 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 the defense forces like was a lot of the training just like drop and give me 20 blah 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 not for me man um so i went to no one told you what to do in the navy (laughs) uh, yeah so i went to um our our like in the australian navy just a very quick um, lesson on on what happens when you join for what I did anyway. I was a, I was a, um, a maritime warfare officer, uh, specialized as what's called a, um, a little little N or a um, intermediate navigator. So that was my job title by the end of it. When I first joined, I went to our officer version of recruit school, which is basically six months worth of training. The first four weeks of that is more intense, right? Four weeks, first four weeks, you don't get your mobile phone, like you know all of your personal items are pretty much locked away in like your own little, little personal safe sort of thing. And um, it's, it's basically like a bit of a smash, like an introduction to into the Navy. No one was really yelling or anything like that. Um, But to be honest, in those first four weeks, four to six weeks of being in the Navy, I lost fitness. I lost really? my, yeah, man. I lost muscle. Cause my, you my were, cardio got worse. Your your bodybuilding days were pre navy or during uh, no, navy? it was during navy. But I was man. I I've, I've been working like you know doing that style of training. 
So basically what happened before I joined the Navy is I, I had the exact same thought as you, man. I was like, I'm joining the Navy. I need to be super fit. I need to be the fittest I've ever been in my life. So that's what I did. I was already quite fit. I was already, you know, working out, you know, six, seven days a week, one to two hour sessions, you know, I worked during the night. So I spent a shitload of time at the gym. I was a gym bum. I lived at the gym. Do you know, do you know much about Arnold Schwarzenegger's background? As in? As in like how he started out in, in like bodybuilding and lifting and all that stuff? Uh, I want to say yes, but I, I think like just from what I've seen from pumping iron and. Right. Yeah. Pumping iron is not the best um, example of, of showing like yeah. the initial phase of what he went through. Um, for me, man, like some people who don't know a lot about Arnold Schwarzenegger just go like, oh, Arnold, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I personally find him one of the most inspirational people oh, yeah. like in the world. Yeah. Um, he, the amount of motivation and dedication that he had in the beginning, when he started out, he was in the, the military, in the army, um, in Austria, right? And uh, he would uh, – there's, there's a beautiful little YouTube video. I'll, I should try find it. It's like a little 10-minute video of him talking about um, his time in the military. And, man, while people were, like, getting woken up at 5 in the morning and going and doing their runs and he would do his whole day's work and then he would, like – then he would go work out all by himself. Like he didn't have trainers or training partners. Yep. He didn't even have equipment. Like he just had like some body, bodybuilding magazine and he would follow the workouts and doing dips between chairs and, you know, everything on his own. And he then went to compete in a bodybuilding competition that he wasn't allowed to compete in, <laughs> right? Because he wasn't allowed to leave the army. But it was due to his age, it was like I think he was 17 or whatever. It was the last year that he would be allowed to compete in this junior Mr. Europe or whatever it was. Um, so he actually escaped. Like he, he snuck out, he went AWOL and like, you know, hitched a ride into, I think, into Germany. So he didn't have a passport, right? So he like snuck onto a train and went and competed in this competition and he won. <laughs> and then he came back and uh, tried to sneak back into base, got caught and had to get, got put into solitary confinement and all this stuff. And um, what ended up happening was that once the people in charge found out he won, they will. Uh, they realized that you know they could leverage that in terms of like, well, how inspiring and motivational. PR, yeah, it's mad, so, mad um, PR. So they ended up like a bunch of the, I don't know, mechanics or engineers or whatever. They got together and they built him weights, and oh, the wow. officers made sure he had time to train. They started giving him like extra meat and protein and stuff, <laughs> and then double rations. Yeah, and then in two years he put on. And this is, you got to remember, this is like well before steroid days, right? Like he was in the military. He was 17, 18 years old. I don't know, man. You know? I've probably given him experimental drugs. Like <laughs> yeah, maybe, right? Super soldier. <laughs> um, man, in two years, he put on 25 pounds of muscle. Ooh, that's man, insane. That is a lot of muscle yeah. in two years. You know, and it just like really laid the foundation of, you know, what he went on to do. And I mean, and then even after that, like not only was he one of the most successful, uh, you know, bodybuilders of all time, but, 
you know, man, the guy goes on to become one of the most successful actors, you know, goes on to become a successful politician. Like the dude was, his whole life was kind of told, you know, you'll never be able to do that. Yeah. And he did. Yeah. Even when he went to want to, uh, when he went to become an actor, you know, people were like, man, your English is terrible. you got a name that no one can pronounce. Like, never, right? And he did. And actually, even before that, when he first went to America, I believe he started a bricklaying company and made, like, quite a decent amount of money as a, as a bricklayer, right? Wow. Man, the dude is – anyway, like, if you, if you look up some of Arnold Schwarzenegger's actual history, opposed from just the – I'll be back and yeah. and the steroids, you know. And then it's even like then, I'm coming all the yeah. time. Have you ever seen that one? It's like where he talks about his pump. Oh yeah, like in pumping, pumping iron. Yeah. yeah, he's like, yeah, but he's talked That's the pump. He's talked it's in like interviews that that yeah. was yeah. for the yeah. so, he's so full of shit. Um, so great. The, <laughs> his face. Um, I love young Arnie. What was I gonna say? Like, uh, God, I lost my train of thought. Anyway, like, oh yeah, even like the steroid use and stuff. Like, you got to remember, this is back in a time that, you know. The world didn't know what we know today about yeah. steroids. Like yeah. that it was Yeah, I'm not gonna say it's the same thing, but at the time it was kind of like, you know, a new thing on the market. Like how people go like, oh, oh, creatine's this new thing. Let's take it. And you know, imagine if in 20 years it's all of a sudden a banned substance. I know it's not the same thing, but yeah. I'm just saying creatine's at, very safe, everyone. <laughs> I'm just saying at that point in time. No one knew. They mm. didn't know that much about steroids. Yeah, it was just, they weren't even taking. They weren't taking that much. Like they were ob- okay. Arnie was taking steroids, and he's admitted that. Like it's it's fucking obvious to everyone. Um, but he wasn't taking anywhere near the levels that they're taking today. They're taking no. all sorts of other drugs. It's not yeah. just testosterone. And yeah, predominantly in the jujitsu world, they take a lot of acai. Yes, that's the straight to the veins. Acai and Jesus. That's yep. all you need. Yeah. Yeah. Injectable. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, so I think um in terms of cross training as a a topic, I really I really think that we need to to get on um the podcast JT and Joey. Um uh, we'll from, have them one day for sure. Yeah, we'll we'll bring them onto the podcast and they can talk more about, you know, set us straight without oh don't do don't do mobility. <laughs> <laughs> the good thing is is that we whichever well, uh, you're on your own Kieran, but whatever disagreements I have with them I can kick their butt in you, Well, I cannot. So, uh, <laughs> but you're my uh, student, so I got your back, bro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hear Joey's our mad enforcer, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, um, yeah, obviously, we'll have them on the on the, the show at some stage. But to summarise for me, you know, my point of view is that you've got to do what works for you. Jiu-Jitsu is so dynamic that, man, like, you could – you could have the the shoulder shoulder mobility of an Olympic gymnast, right? You know that which um, that's good mobility for yep. those who don't know anything. You know, you <laughs> for those have, that don't know anything, <laughs> you, you could have for all the idiots out there. <laughs> you could have the shoulder mobility of an Olympic gymnast, right? But then maybe in your particular style of jujitsu, mm. it's that's not going to come up at any point other than when you're caught in a submission like yes. a kimura or something. Yep. So. Do what works for you, you know, whatever is going to be applicable to your style. Yeah. And, you know, what you – in if it's then – if you're someone like me who doesn't really like working out, doing that st- type of workouts, then whatever's going to help you psychologically. Yeah, agreed. If you're someone who is a bit more happy to like, no, I love doing whatever sort of workout and exercise, yep. whatever – 
then seek the advice of a professional yep. who can give you that more scientific approach, but with the underlying, make sure it's applicable to what, you know, to your style yes. of jujitsu. Yeah, I you agree know? with that. Yeah. Um, that, that would be my advice. Yeah, yeah, that's solid. Um, I think in terms of like talking through what what training I'm doing at the moment and everything like that, I'm, I'm very much taking on the, the bulletproof approach. I do the two bulletproof sessions, plenty of mobility and uh, still throw in a bit of bodybuilding training in when, uh, when I can, I lock down. Um, so yeah, cool. And if you enjoy doing it, then no harm, no foul, right? Exactly. Same thing as like, you know, well, uh, the main reason I do jujitsu is cause I enjoy it. If you enjoy doing bodybuilding workouts, do it, man. Do it. Yeah. Best, best workout you do. What'd you say? The best. Yeah. The best workout program is the one that you actually do. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Cool. Well, thanks for listening to this episode, everyone. If you're still listening and you've gotten this far, I do appreciate, well, we appreciate your support. And if you want to support the show further, jump on and give us a follow and a review on your streaming platform of choice and jump over to our Instagram, which is at beyond jujitsu podcast. So at beyond jujitsu underscore podcast. If you just search that, you should be able to find us over at Instagram. Nice. Till next time, thanks for listening. Peace.